Thank you for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. We're currently walking verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just wanna make sure you're aware of a couple of things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There you can find out more information about who we are and where we're headed as a church. Once again, thanks for checking out our sermon here at Hope Church. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way that we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. Can I just be really honest this morning? Is that all right? Not that you expect me to be dishonest up here, but just really personally transparent for a minute. Um, There are a lot of days when I look at my own Christian life and I think, man, I am nowhere near where I need to be. I don't know if anybody else in the room can identify with that. But I look at my own journey and I look at my own struggles, the areas of weakness in my own life. See, sometimes you can come to a church and you can look at the people up here and you can think, man, they got it all together. But if you knew what we knew, you wouldn't listen to us at all, right? (laughs) We're as broken and as dependent on God as you are. And there are times I look at my journey and I... I can get discouraged if I'm not careful because I can see the things that I struggle with, the weaknesses that I have, the, the things that make me worry and have anxiety. And when I get there, there's a verse of Scripture that is maybe one of the most encouraging verses in all of the Bible. And I want to put it up here on the screen for you. It's Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6. And here's what it says. For I am confident. That's important. Paul says... Man, I am confident of this. What's he confident of? Of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Here's why that's encouraging. God's not done with us yet. He's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. We are all a work in process. God is, here's what that verse promises us. God is at work in you and he will finish what he started. So don't be discouraged today. You may be in one of those places like I am where you look at your life and think, man, I'm nowhere near where I need to be. But I got good news for you. You will be because God's at work in you and he's going to finish what he started. You are in process. God is not finished with you yet. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, God's not finished with me yet. Now, if you're the person next to them, refrain from saying amen, okay? That's not cool. That's not a good place to say amen, all right? Because we're all in the same boat. God is not finished with us yet, but don't be discouraged. He will finish what he started. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this. One of the ways that God is at work 
in your life and in my life, completing what he started is through the prayers of other people. This thing of praying for one another. We are in a series here at Hope that we are calling Praying with Purpose. And we're trying to learn more about what it means to genuinely pray for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, obviously, we're not just to pray for one another's brothers and sisters in Christ. We're to pray for people that don't know God, to come to know God. We're to pray for other things. But in particular, where we're studying together in the New Testament right now, Paul is giving us instruction about how we can be more effective in praying for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the things that we need to understand is that one of the ways that God has chosen to work in your life and in my life is through the prayers of other people. Yesterday afternoon, I had the honor of uh, leading the funeral service for a sweet elderly lady in our church, Miss Betty Burnett. If you know Paul and Betty Burnett, your life is blessed for knowing them. They've been in our church here at Hope for about 12 or 13 years. They've been involved in our fellowship. And one of the reasons I love Paul and Betty Burnett beyond her banana pudding was the best you'll ever put in your mouth. One of the reasons I love Paul and Betty Burnett is because I know they prayed for me every single day for the last 12 or 13 years. And it's God using the prayers of others that often is how he works in our lives. And I thank God for people like Paul and Betty Burnett. And I need somebody else to pick up the mantle because she's now in heaven, all right? So somebody else got to pick that up and start running with that. But I am thankful to God. You know people in your life who pray for you consistently. And here's what we understand from Scripture. A lot of what God is doing in your life and my life, He's doing in response to the prayers of others who've stood in the gap for us. Beth Moore, famous author and Bible teacher, listen to what Beth Moore said. She said, there are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way You hear that? Will come no other way than through furious, fervent, faith-filled, unceasing prayer. There are things in your life and things in my life that will not be accomplished. There's areas that I need to grow. There are victories that I need to experience. And it will not happen apart from others standing in the gap and praying for me. So here's the point. God is inviting you and I to join in his activity in the lives of others through prayer. I think too often we think about prayer only as it relates to us. We got this big list that we're praying for in my life. I need this. I need this. I need this. I need God to do this. I need God to do this. But, But God has given us prayer, yes, to be used as we pray for the things going on in our own lives. But God has also given us prayer as one of the ways he invites us to join in what he's doing in the lives of other Jesus followers around us. 
And last weekend, we kind of opened this idea by, by asking the question, what do you pray when somebody says to you, would you pray for me? And we talked about, if you were here last weekend, I went over to the junk drawer and how we all kind of have this junk drawer of prayer phrases that we grab from. I've gotten a lot of jokes this week about traveling mercies uh, after last weekend. If you weren't here, you'll just have to go find out on your own. It's a little inside joke for us at Hope. But again, I pray all of you have those on your way home today, whatever that <laughs> looks like. And it's not that any of those phrases are wrong, right? I'm going to pray those things in my life too. I'm going to pray for others that God would bless them and God would be with them. I'm going to use those phrases, but we don't want those to just be vain repetition so we can check off the list. Well, I prayed for them today. We can be more effective and more strategic, and that's what Paul is giving us here in Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bible, open it to Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read the same verses we read last weekend, and let's go a little bit deeper and our understanding of them. Beginning in verse 15, Paul says this. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you. So Paul here is talking about his own experience and Paul is writing to a group of Christians and he says, man, I do not cease to pray for you. Paul had a lot in his own life that needed to be prayed for. Paul was traveling. Paul was a missionary. Paul was taking the gospel where it had never been. Paul had been in and out of prison. Paul had faced persecution. Paul had faced execution for the sake of the gospel. And yet Paul says, I'm not going to stop praying for you. His prayer life wasn't just consumed with his own needs and opportunities. He was driven and motivated. He says, I don't cease giving thanks for you. While making mention of you in my prayers. Then he gets to verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And last weekend we said out of those verses that there were two reminders for us when we pray for other Jesus followers. And let me remind you of the first one. We looked at this last weekend. We should always remember the person to whom we pray. I said last weekend, there's not power in prayer. You ever heard anybody say that? There's power in prayer. There's no power in prayer. But there is power in the one to whom we pray, right? God has all power. And Paul here opens this verse, verse 17, by saying, don't forget, you're praying to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. He's reminding us that because of Jesus, because of our position in Christ, listen, you have access to the very throne room of God where you can walk right into the presence of God and you can lay your burdens before him and we said last weekend because of that there's nothing too big that you can ask of God and there's nothing too insignificant that you could ask of God I read a quote this week that kind of drives this home by R.A. Torrey listen to what he said if we only realized the fullness of God's grace that is ours for the asking its height and depths and length and breadth I am sure that we would spend more time in prayer. Listen, if you and I just realized that because of Jesus, we have been invited to tap into all of the resources of God through prayer. Here's what he's saying. 
Prayer wouldn't be a last resort. Prayer would be a top priority. Some people only pray as like a last resort. Well, we've done everything we know to do, so I guess we better pray. It's like, oh, my gosh, has it really come to that? If we understood all that we'd been invited into because of our position in Christ, we would be quick to pray. We would be quick to run into the presence of God and call out on behalf of others. So we should remember the one to whom we pray. Here's the second thing where we want to focus today. We should always remember the purpose for which we pray. Paul in these verses tells us about the greatest thing we can ever pray for another follower of Jesus. And I want to uncover that for us today. Paul opens verse 17 with the word that. He just said, I don't stop making mention of you in my prayer. I'm constantly praying for you. And then he says that. Now, the little word that in the English language doesn't necessarily jump off the page. But in the Greek language, it's a word that literally means here's the reason why or here's the purpose. Paul said, I will not stop praying for you. And here's why I'm praying. That God may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Listen, in the knowledge of of him. Here's what Paul is praying. Paul is praying that God would allow them to know him intimately. That God would allow them to know him. I know what you may be thinking. Wait a minute. We're praying for other Jesus followers. Don't they already know God? Well, yes, they've already been born again into relationship with God where God is now their father and they'll spend eternity with him. The problem is for many Christians, that's all they know about God. They only have a basic knowledge about God. They know that they're a Christian because they know Jesus died for my sin, that he rose again from the dead. I put my faith in him. I'm going to heaven when I die and I'm just going to hang on until I get there. That's where a lot of Christians live with their intimate knowledge of God. But listen, I want you to understand, what I just said for you is found in one verse in the Bible. John 3, 16, right? Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, right? That's that everything I just said about being a sinner, being saved through Jesus, going to heaven when I die. That's in one verse in the Bible. Did you know there are 31,101 other verses in the Bible? And all of those verses were given to us to invite us on a journey of growing in the intimate knowledge of God. So we need to pray because some Christians only have a basic knowledge of God, but, but other Christians only have a knowledge of the Bible. It's information that they've been about. It, it's the study of the Bible simply, simply to know all the answers or so they can be the expert in Bible trivia in their small group, right? Right? 
These are the people that want to know about dinosaurs. They want to know about end time prophecy. They want to know the answer to every biblical question that exists so they can look like the smartest Christian in the room. But here's the reality. If all I simply want to know are the answers from the Bible rather than to know the one who is the answer, I've missed the reason why God gave us his word. For some Christians, all they have is knowledge about God. They know him personally and have come to know him as Lord and Savior, but their knowledge of God is more theological. It's just knowing about God. And listen, there's a big difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone. Amen? For example, uh, I've told you this many times. grew up in Alabama. When you grow up in Alabama, you don't have a choice. You pick Alabama or Auburn. Everybody who's smart picks Alabama. So I'm a big Alabama fan. My mom's a graduate of the University of Alabama. I graduated from the University of North Alabama. A big Alabama fan. And because I'm a big Alabama fan, I know a lot about Nick Saban, right? Now, I know even mentioning that word in the church service can make some people uncomfortable because if you're not an Alabama fan, you don't like Nick Saban, and I get it. We're like the Yankees of college football. I understand, all right? But I know a lot about Nick Saban. I know about him because I've listened to press conferences. I know about him because I've read books and articles. I've read magazine articles about him. I've watched him during the week after practice to give interviews. I know a lot about Nick Saban, but I do not know Nick Saban. I've never had a conversation with him. I don't know him relationally. He wouldn't be able to pick me out of a lineup. We've never met. I don't know him at all. Unfortunately, that's where a lot of people are with God. They've come to know him as Lord and Savior, but they don't really know him intimately. It's like what J.I. Packer wrote. Listen to what he said. J.I. Packer said, Our aim in studying the Godhead must be to know God himself better. Our concern must be to enlarge our acquaintance, not simply with the doctrine of God's attributes, but with the living God whose attributes they are. We must seek in studying God to be led to God. The goal is not biblical knowledge. The goal is not theological knowledge. The goal is an intimate knowledge of God. Paul here is not praying that Christians would just have a basic understanding of their faith. Paul is not praying that they would know more about the Bible. Paul is not even praying that they would know more about God. Paul is praying for relational intimacy with the Father. The word knowledge here is a word that speaks to relationship. It's a relationship term. The word knowledge here is a word that expresses the relationship of the learner to the object of his knowledge. It's a relational term. Paul is praying that you and I would know God intimately. Let me say it this way. The most important thing that can happen in the life of any follower of Jesus is that they would grow in intimacy with God. Did you know the most important thing that could happen for you in your life today is that you would grow in intimacy with God? That you would grow to know Him more. I am convinced that if I can lead someone to experience true intimacy with God, that fellowship with him will change every other area of their life. Because when you begin to encounter moment by moment the presence of the living God, fellowship with God changes everything about the way you live your life. 
That's why Jesus said it this way in John 17 and verse 3. Look at this verse on the screen. Jesus said, this is eternal life. Now, now stop right here. Don't, don't read past that yet. How many of you, when you got saved, eternal life, that's a part of the deal. Amen? I mean, that's what we were getting in on, right? I want eternal life. I want to go to heaven when I die, right? So this is eternal life, that you go to heaven when you die. Is that what it says? Jesus is about to define eternal life for us. This is eternal life, that they may what? Know you. Wait a minute, you mean I don't go to heaven when I die? No, no, no. We go to heaven when we die, okay? But going to heaven is simply taking the intimate fellowship we have with the Father to an entirely new level. You see, now I know him by faith. Now I walk with him by faith. But in heaven, I'll know him by sight. I'll walk with him physically. Heaven is simply taking the relationship to an entirely new level. But what we've been invited into is not a religion, a system of do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs, rules and regulations. What we've been invited into is an intimate love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And when I know God, it changes everything else in my life. So the greatest thing that you could pray for another brother or sister in Christ is that they would grow in their intimate love relationship with the Father. Why? Let me give you a principle. Everything Jesus desires to do through you, he will accomplish as the overflow of his intimate love relationship with you. Everything Jesus desires to do in and through your life will happen out of the overflow of your fellowship with him. Which means the greatest thing I can do today is enjoy fellowship with him. Why? Because everything else happens out of the overflow of that. So as a Christian, the greatest thing you can pray is not God bless them, God watch over them. The greatest thing you can pray for another Christian today is that they would grow in the intimate knowledge of God. So, we're going to stop and we're going to practice that, all right? I'm not done yet, so don't pack up. I'm going to say some more after we pray. But I'm going to invite you right now, everybody in the room, to bow your head. And here's what I want you to do. In the quiet of this moment, I want you to ask God to lay on your heart the name of another Christian. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Maybe it's somebody in your small group. Maybe it's somebody you serve with on a ministry team. But I want you to ask him right now. Say, God, would you bring to my mind the name of a fellow believer, another Christian? Now, if you've got a name on your heart, just say amen. Okay? So all over the room, we have names on our heart of another Christian. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for that name. You say, why that name? Because the Holy Spirit of God just laid them on your heart. You know what that means? God just invited you to join in what he's doing in their life. You see, when God brings somebody to your mind to pray for, the reason he does that is he's inviting you to get in on what he's doing in their life. So I want you to pray for them. And here's what I want you to pray for them. 
God, I pray for, and you name them, Lord, I pray for them that they would grow in their intimate knowledge of you. That they would grow in their fellowship with you. That you would deepen their walk with you, God. In the name of Jesus we pray and all of us say together, amen. Now I want you to look this way. And I'm not trying to be trite or cute, all right? I'm, try- I'm, I'm being very serious what I'm about to say. Maybe the most important thing we will do all day, we just did. I mean that. Why? Because we've been invited into the very presence of God because of our relationship with Jesus. And God has said, there's not anything you can ask me that's too big for me. There's nothing you can ask me that's too insignificant for me. We can boldly, we just walked into the presence of God together with on our heart the name of another Christian and in accordance with the will of God, we know it's God's desire for them. We just prayed for them, for God to deepen their love relationship. We know that everything else God's going to do in their life. He's going to do out of the overflow of their intimate fellowship with him. We may have just experienced the supernatural activity of God in other people's lives in a way we'll never experience in any other part of our service. And we just got in on that through the vehicle of prayer. We prayed for someone. So let's walk on through this passage. And let me, let me give you two specific ways that we can pray for others as it pertains to the knowledge of God. Here's the first one. We can pray that they practically apply the knowledge of God. So when you're praying for another Christian and you're praying, God, would you grow their love relationship with you? You can pray this. God, would you give them today the wisdom to know how to apply their love relationship with you to every area of their Life. That's what Paul prays for here in verse 17. Look at it. He says that you may give that he may give to you a spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of him. This idea of the spirit is the Holy Spirit. It's us inviting the Holy Spirit of God to work in another Christian's life and giving them wisdom in this arena of knowing God. The word wisdom is a word that means to apply divine knowledge. It's how to apply to my everyday life what I know about God through my love relationship with Him. Paul here is praying that we would live every moment of our life in fellowship with God. And so as you pray for another Christian, you're praying for them to grow in their intimate love relationship with God, but you're praying that they would begin to live all of their life out of the overflow of that relationship. Here's what tends to happen. As Christians, we like to put our fellowship with God in a nice, neat little box, right? We bring that box with us on Sunday morning to church, right? Some of you brought it today. You, you came carrying your fellowship with God box. Because why? We know when we come to church, we came to church to meet with God. We came to church to hear from God. We came to church to be in God's presence and to enjoy fellowship with Him. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to go home from church today, and you're going to tuck that box away. And then maybe, maybe, many of us, tomorrow morning, we're going to get up first thing, and 
We're going to pull that box back out before we rush into the day, and we're going to have some fellowship with God. We're going to read the Word. We're going to pray, but then we're going to put that box back away, and then we're going to go off to work, or we're going to go off to school, and we're going to go off to the store and running errands, whatever it is that you have to do tomorrow. And then maybe the next morning we'll get that box out again and we'll fellowship with God again. And then maybe we'll pull that box out one more time. We go to group time to be with other believers during the week. And we're going to go to group time and small group to connect with other believers, to meet with God. But, but by and large, many of us, other than those few times, we're going to leave that fellowship with God box tucked neatly away. And we're going to live the rest of our life apart from regular fellowship with the Father. Here's what Paul is praying. That because of Jesus, every moment of every day, you and I have the opportunity to enjoy fellowship with God. And Paul is praying that we would all have the wisdom to begin to live our lives moment by moment. Yes, we need time in the morning with God. Yes, we need time in worship with God. Yes, we need time in fellowship with other believers in small group with God. But we need God every minute, every second of every day. Rick Warren said it this way. Listen to what he said. Everything you do can be spending time with God if he is invited to be a part of it. And you stay aware of his presence. It's exactly what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians when Paul said this. Look at these three words. Paul said, pray without what? What does that mean? Does that mean that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm to be down on my knees like this? Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Is that what that means? Well, I hope not because we've all failed this morning, if that's what it means. Because I don't see anybody right now on their knees with their heads bowed and their hands folded praying, right? No, Paul did not mean that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'm supposed to be on my knees in prayer to God. Here's what Paul was saying. I'm to live my life in a constant conversation with the Father. Praying is simply conversation with God. It's talking to God and it's listening to God. It's laying on my heart what's on his, uh, excuse me, taking what's on my heart and placing it on his, and then it's allowing him to take what's on his heart and place that on mine. That's what communication is. That's what talking is. That's what conversation is. And Paul says we are to live our lives in constant conversation with God. What if, what if tomorrow at work, what if tomorrow at school, in your neighborhood, in your home, every decision, every action, every reaction, even in traffic, every attitude, every thought, what if it was all born out of fellowship with the Father. Here's an example. Tomorrow, you're at work. you got a meeting. You're sitting across the desk, across the table from someone you're about to meet with. I'm not suggesting that you say to them, hey, could we pray together before we start this meeting? That's not what I'm saying. Here's what I am saying. Now, there may be moments where you get to do that, but here's what I am saying. Even before you begin that meeting in your heart, Father, 
as I meet with this individual today, would you give me wisdom and grace so that I represent you and your kingdom and so that they're drawn into more intimate fellowship with you? I just begin to live my life moment by moment. See, maybe maybe what we did, we pulled that out in our God time in the morning, said, God, I got these meetings today, Lord, would you bless me in those meetings? And then we put it back over here. But what if in the meetings, what if during the conversations, we were living our lives in constant fellowship with God, allowing God to speak into our hearts in a unique way? I had an encounter just this uh, last week with a, with a gentleman who, who came to my home. I was, this is, this is incredible. I was, I, was, I was shaving in the sink. I had the hot water turned on. I'm, I'm shaving. And the hot water's running in the sink. And the next thing I know, I thought somebody would shot a gun in my house. I hear this, pow! And I didn't know what in the world had gone on. What, what happened is the hot water literally caused my sink to just crack. So I had to have a repairman come to the house and work on the sink to get a new sink put in. So, so I'm up there hanging out with him while we're, he's putting in a new sink, you know. And we begin to have a conversation. Next thing I know, this guy's in my house, man. He's weeping. God is moving in his life. We're having a conversation. We're praying together. You know what I found out? Jesus broke my sink. Seriously. Jesus broke my sink, but he broke my sink because he loved this guy so much that he wanted him to get to my house. The only way he'd get to my house was to break my sink. If I hadn't been living in constant fellowship with the Father, I might have walked right past that guy. And listen, confession, many times in my life, I do walk past those opportunities. But the only way we seize those opportunities is when... We're doing what Paul said. We're living our lives wisely. We're taking our intimate fellowship with God and we're applying it to What if tomorrow all of us, every moment of the day, lived our lives like that? Myself included. What if all of us lived in fellowship with the Father? That's exactly what Paul's praying here. Let me give you the second thing Paul's praying and we'll be finished for today and we're going to look at a third of these next weekend. Paul says, pray that they daily pursue the knowledge of God. So he starts by saying, pray that they practically apply their fellowship with God throughout the day. But then Paul says, not only am I praying that they would have a spirit of wisdom, but Paul says, I'm praying that they'd have a spirit of revelation. What does that mean? Well, in another place in the New Testament, Paul writes about the knowledge of God, and he describes it like a treasure. Listen to this. Romans 11, Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable are his ways. He's talking about the the depth of the knowledge of God, and he describes it like the knowledge of God is this endless treasure. That you and I every day, because of Jesus, what we learned in the first part of this chapter, because I'm chosen, because I'm adopted, because I'm loved, because I'm accepted, because I'm forgiven, because of who I am in Christ, I have been invited every day to dig deep into the treasure chest of who God is. But here's the reality. You and I will never grow in the knowledge of God without God making himself known to us. We will not discover these things on our own. That's why he says they're unsearchable and they're unfathomable. We we can't get there on our own. He must reveal himself. The word revelation that Paul uses here in Ephesians 1.17, 
The word revelation here is a word that means to uncover or to make something no longer hidden. Paul says, I'm praying that every day you would set aside time to be alone with God and that when you do that, the Holy Spirit of God would just uncover the riches of the treasure of who He is and allow you to grow in the intimate knowledge of Him. As you and I set aside time daily to be alone with the Father, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He makes known to us. He reveals. He uncovers divine truth about who He is. And my mentor, Clyde Cranford, said it this way. He said, for centuries... Those who have truly sought to know God intimately have found it imperative to set aside some time in each day to focus their attention and affection on Him. As we spend devotional time in the Word and in prayer, God is pleased to commune with us and to reveal, there it is, reveal more of who He is little by little. Listen to me, Christian. There is no substitute. Listen, there is no substitute in the life of a Jesus follower for time spent alone daily with God. There's no substitute. There's no shortcut. There's no microwave option. There's no substitute for time spent alone daily with God. Paul here says, I'm praying that you would take what you already know about God and apply that to your everyday life. And secondly, I'm praying that you would carve out time to be alone with God, that God would make himself more known to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. One more thing I want to say out of these verses, and I'm done. Paul, in this verse, says, look at verse 17 again. I want to put it back up here. Paul says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, say the next two words out loud, may give. Say that again. May give. The way this is used in the Greek language, it describes action that is potential. Meaning this. This may or may not happen in my life. You say, what does that mean? Listen, I don't even know all that it means. But here's what I know for sure. Your prayers for other followers of Jesus are very important. It could be your prayer that allows God to move in their life in a way that gives them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I don't understand everything I know about this, but God in His sovereignty has chosen to limit His activity to the prayers of His people. God's at work in our lives. One of the ways he's at work is through our prayers. And here's what he says. When you and I pray, we invite God into the lives of our brothers and sisters in Christ in a phenomenal way to deepen their knowledge of him and to grow their intimate fellowship with him. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we bow before you today and we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us. And God, I pray that we would take these truths and apply them practically in our lives. God, I pray that believers here would be more diligent and more intentional about praying for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. 
God, that we would stand in the gap and intercede for people to know God more intimately. As you sit quietly before the Lord this morning in a spirit of prayer, in just a moment we're going to stand and sing a song of response. We have pastors that are going to be here at the front. If God has spoken to you today, maybe you just have another believer on your heart and you just want to come and get in one of these altars up here and just begin to pray for them. I want to invite you to do that in just a moment. When we stand, if God's burdens you about another Christian, listen, that is the Holy Spirit of God inviting you to join in his activity in their life. Don't miss this moment. Come and begin to pray for them here in the altar. Maybe you're a Christian and you just need one of our pastors to pray with you or for you about something in your own life. We want to invite you to come. Our pastors are here. We'd be honored to pray over you about anything in your job, your health, your family, your relationship. While we're singing this song of worship, you just come. But maybe you're here this morning and somebody invited you to come or you just drove by and saw a church building and maybe you don't have a relationship with God at all. You don't know what it is to be a Christian. First of all, let me just say thank you for being here this morning. We're honored you would come. And here's what the story of the Bible teaches us. The story of the Bible teaches us that God made you and me, God made all of us, and he made us to enjoy a fellowship relationship with himself. That's the reason you exist. But because of our sin, we've all sinned against God. Because of our sin, we lost the ability to have a relationship with God. And left to ourselves, there's nothing we can do to make that right. But the story of the Bible says that God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world. God became a man and lived the life you and I couldn't live. Jesus lived a sinless life, and then he died on a cross for our sin. He took all of your sin and all of my sin on the cross, and he died. And God poured out his wrath, his judgment against sin on Jesus. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again as a testimony that God had accepted his sacrifice for our sin. And the Bible says now, because of Jesus, you and I can be forgiven. And we can be given a relationship with God. You say, what do I have to do to get that? It's simple. Because Jesus already paid for it. All you must do is put your faith and trust in Jesus. We turn from our sin... And we embrace Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, when we stand in just a moment to sing this song while others are coming to pray, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, we invite you to slip out from where you're going to be standing. Come to one of our pastors here at the front. And here's all you have to say. Just say, I need Jesus. That's it. And we'll have somebody sit down with you and open a Bible and show you how you can begin a personal relationship with God. Lord, we invite you into this moment to have your way. Would you speak as only you can? Move among us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.